0: The Illuminati Telegraph. J Dog, what's up, dude? Been a little while. I know, man. I feel like we already I talked about this, but we uh, <laughs> are, are update your name. Sick. You
1: were sick? Yeah. You were sick? I was sick there for a name. couple of weeks.
0: I got sick. I got better for a day. Then I got sick again because I went too hard. And uh, I was out for like two weeks. And then we rebranded, didn't we? Look at that. Show those viewers our new logo, J Dog. That's beautiful, dude. We are now the Skepsis Telegraph. The Skepsis Telegraph is our new name. We started as the Illuminati Squatty Body and decided that excrement and toilets are not going to be our logo. And for convenience, we moved to Illuminati Telegraph. We, we just had mm. to switch a word. Illuminati is a little cheesy. It little is. Cliche, straight. Out. I never liked so. it. Ever, ever, ever liked the name. We were on to
1: something, though. That's the thing. We were... Like So now then, it started as something, you know, we were like, let's just focus purely on conspiracies. Then we got into this whole, all right, well, instead of just focusing on conspiracies, we'll look at some news articles and maybe focus on some news articles. And then we started researching like ancient civilizations and shit like that. And this is not really conspiracies at all. So really, we're just a research podcast that telegraphs the information to you who is a bit skeptical of the mainstream media that would normally deliver news and, and whatnot to you. So man, I'll play on on what we uh, what we were named as a band, Death of Skepsis, which Skepsis being the Swedish word for skeptic uh, kind of made sense to merge that with our current name, the Illuminati Telegraph. And there you have it the boring story behind her name
0: no that wasn't boring that was a a really good job laying that out because that's basically what it is <clears throat> and skeptic, did you did you mention that skepsis is the swedish word for skeptic no but, the, it's this <laughs> it's a swedish word that means the belief that phenomena and miracles don't exist so basically skeptic
1: so dylan wasn't listening to uh me I, was I was listening pretty that.
0: good man i was listening very good but i'm also <laughs> trying to
1: uh get my background going all right well look i am going give me one second i'll be right back i gotta do something real okay so
0: okay so moving forward we are officially the skeptics telegraph tell your friends tell your neighbors uh but we started talking about operation paperclip a while back a few episodes back and If you haven't checked that out go check that out because we didn't talk about operation paperclip we got pretty deep with uh operation alsos which was one of the first operations of the war uh going in and trying to find these initial nazis but we learned i'm I'm just giving them a, a backtrack jesse of how we got where we are now So while we were doing Operation Paperclip, we actually talked about Operation Alsos, and that led to the origins of the Nazis, which was like Thule Society and all that cryptic stuff. So that got us into basically Tibetan Buddhism and Agartha and Hollow Earth. And then that got us into giants, creatures, and that got us into Gobekli Tepe because we wanted to talk about giants. You can't talk about giants without talking about Gobekli Tepe so that's where we are now and today we are getting into after covering the history of the cradle of civilization the levant um, and how jericho the walls of jericho and the great flood how that ties into the beginning of the neolithic revolution it's a beautiful thing history and really connecting the dots and uh, we finally got in they go back and Pillar 18 and Pillar 31, Enclosure D. And that was all to build up to this episode, Pillar 43, the Vulture Stone. Because this opens up a GD can of worms,
1: doesn't it, J-Dog? The biggest. You could say that this pillar, Pillar 43, is probably the most important ancient artifact on uh, Earth at the time that we found so far. um, And understanding our history um as a civilization uh dating back to the fur- furthest that we can trace it so let's look at pillar 43 let me pull it up share screen this you have disabled participant screen sharing dylan oh i got you doug The main feature of Pillar 43 is the oh, Vulture. We're gonna, yep, we're going to get into that. I want I want everyone to be able to see it if you're following along on the YouTubes. Still waiting for I you think. to enable that. Yeah, I have to
0: refigure out how to enable this because Zoom makes it so convenient. But I'm a new man after I got sick. I don't complain about that stuff every episode. Just a little yeah. bit. Yeah. We'll see how many episodes that lasts. Yeah, it's probably not gonna last past this episode because I still can't figure out how to uh <laughs> share screen advan- There we go. All participants. All right, J Dog. Hey. You are allowed to screen share.
1: Is it working for you? Well, maybe it's a user error on my part. I have to enable some security settings on my Mac.
0: Well, boom, what look what at that. Screen sharing. Logo City, baby. I got my background too. That's beautiful.
1: Look at that shit, bro.
0: Advanced sharing. Who can share? All participants. Who can start sharing when someone
1: else is sharing? All participants. It's good. So uh, I'm enabling the. I might have to quit Zoom and wait. Maybe not. Let me see. Dude. There we go. I got you, dog.
0: Pillar 43 is this big hunk of mubba right here.
1: Hey, this is Pillar Forty Three. Hopefully, you're not seeing my big, uh, your big what? system system preferences thing on my screen right here.
0: No, I don't see anything.
1: Oh, I'm not screen sharing. Let me um, try this. How's that? Yep, there you go. All right, this is Pillar Forty Three. So. Uh, on pillar 43, as you see, the most prominent feature is definitely this giant vulture on the middle left side of the pillar. And the pillar is broken up into two sections. You have this top part of the pillar that is uh, you can think of it like a T shape. Um, the top part is the the you know the top of the T, um, which has the large vulture and then to the right of the large vulture you have a smaller, looking vulture type of, um, figure. Uh, and above that you have what appears to be, uh, it could be, could be viewed as a bird with a snake in its mouth. Although there, I have found that there are different interpretations of that. Um, and at the very top of the T you have what has been come to be called the handbags. So you have these like squares with an arch Uh, along the top that would resemble like the handle part of a handbag. And then to the right of each one of those arches, you have uh, what looks to be some animal carvings. Uh, And we'll get into what the the potential meanings of that could be later on. On the bottom section of the T, the biggest prominent figure you have right here and what has been key to some of the theories that have, uh, been developed around what this motif could mean, um, is the scorpion figure. And it's quite clearly a scorpion, uh, to the left of the scorpion, you have what, what it could appear to be another snake and below the snake, a dog type figure, which it's, it's butted up against the perimeter wall right there. So, uh, you can really just see the snout of the dog and then two of the legs coming out. But it's pretty clear that it with that that's a dog. And then towards the bottom you have can a, you put your cursor where? Right here. Can oh. you see that? Yeah, yeah. And then you have at the very bottom of the T you have what appears to be a duck style or a goose. I would say goose animal. A goose animal. That looks like a goose. And then the, just one of the stranger the strangest, yeah, just the head, just the head and the neck, and it's kind of standing on his back or his neck, um, like what appears to cuts be, off. the pillar cuts off, and there appears to be what is a headless man with an erect uh, dick and balls at the very, very bottom. Oh, do they even the
0: carved in the, the circumcision line? That's how you know these weren't Jews. Did they? Look at that dick. It's got the texture of that little line around the head. Um, I'm zoomed all the way in on the dick. They even got the balls shriveled up too. Like on this stone, these ancients back in the day. Do you think they had a laugh like any construction worker would?
1: Oh, I'm sure. Dude, humor. Definitely.
0: Like they did Um, a motion that was like small (laughs) like yours. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) old small. You're small. And they all made jokes about how... uh, (laughs) Yeah, dick jokes go back uh, millennia. And then Thoth came out with his trident and sparked him with electricity and killed him for
1: uh, laughing on the job. Um, One thing that I forgot to mention that's up towards the top of the pillar are those two, those H symbols that come back again. Oh. And if you remember from last episode, that was on like the belt of the... uh, pillar 18 i believe it was do you remember what those tree. represented um the parallel worlds between the um the underworld and and this realm basically right. so the celeste, the the cosmos and our world or or the cosmos it, it could be construed a bunch of different ways but Um, that's what the author of the book that we're currently reviewing surmised in the last episode that we spoke about those H symbols but it's interesting they appear again on this pillar so obviously there's some meaning to this culture um back when Göbekli tepe was built and you also have these uh weird like v shapes that are interwoven together as well yeah what is Um, that i don't know and
0: that's a good observation. I told I only focused on the things the book talked about, and I never even really
1: noticed that pattern yeah there's a there's these weird
0: it could represent details. the Milky Way because as later on uh, maybe on the next episode or two we'll get to that point where the dark rift of the Milky Way connects with like the main star of Cygnus maybe that, like it all so that
1: could be maybe 50, How however 50. I found some alternate explanations because I, I did, I did some additional research just to see, all right, the book is proposing this theory to what the symbols mean. So let me go see if there's some other stuff out there. Thank you um, for
0: turning off your logic pro notification. I freaking hate when those things bounce around. Like I yeah, I know I turned off my audio driver. I know. Thank you. Thank you.
1: My bad that that was jumping around. I knew it was oh, bugging. It was bugging yeah. me. I just didn't want to jump off the program, but you did great. Um, But yeah, so I went and did some digging, and and maybe these. So I don't know. You want to just jump in and start talking about what? Obviously, this motif means something, right? They spent time to carve this giant stone. Um, So what what were they trying to what were they trying to say with this scene that they're depicting here? You want to just go ahead and jump into it? Yeah,
0: definitely. Let me stop. Uh, In 2017, a peer reviewed paper brought to light pillar 43 can you share that again um the pillar yeah yeah just keep the
1: screen going with pictures you got it for the viewers then i can't follow along on my notes but do it Go. For oh it.
0: we can just leave it there Let little no look you're at good it. that's fine but in 2017, this got popular because uh, somebody, I think it was the author, claimed it was a snapshot of the sky at 10,950 BCE, plus or minus 250 years, on the day that the youngest Strauss impact destroyed everything. Archaeologists excavating the site disagreed, saying it could not be of this earlier epoch, and it had to have been made no earlier than 9,600 To 8800 bce so they kind of missed the point like no it's not a snapshot of the sky because it wasn't made at that time um so radiocarbon dating will later confirm the stones to have been erected and made at 9600 bce so even though there's resistance i still personally don't see how it's not a reflection of the sky at that time but that's neither here nor there that's just the beginning of the theory in 2010 Spanish archaeoastronomer Juan Antonio Belmonte proposed the scorpion on the pillar represented Scorpius. To some, this would mean the vulture represents Sagittarius, While others think it uh, symbolized Cygnus, the celestial bird, which is a prominent feature in the northern night sky. Further evidence from radiocarbon dating, organic material removed from the ring wall of enclosure D shows the stone was erected between 9745 and 9314 BCE, which would put its construction immediately after the end of the Younger Dryas Mini Ice Age when society reemerged from what would have been the catastrophe um, when the sky map fucking uh, 10,950 BCE, snapshot of the sky when everything got fucked up. So then they get into actually breaking it down. Uh, two main features that connect the scheme to the night sky at 9,600 BCE is the dividing line between the T-shaped head of the pillar and the lower stem. Joey, can you... Uh, Joey, I was thinking Joe and Jess at the, the same fire? time. Uh, Jesse, can you move your cursor along that
1: horizontal dividing line and show the viewers? right here. So as the, the, the T yeah. the T shape that I was describing earlier on the the horizontal dividing line is what decides the uh, vertical uh, part of the T to, from the horizontal part of the T. Uh, those
0: who see the vulture as Sagittarius coincidentally view the ball as the sun being shown passing through that constellation but according to known relief imagery and symbolism that comes from those cultures in south anatolia the circle always represents the human soul in the form of a head or skull which could connect it to that body at the bottom with the with the penis he must have been married that's why his dick's hard because he's finally free am i right no
1: <laughs> the dudes.
0: If it is a head, then it would make sense that it is part of the headless human body at the bottom of the stone. It also has an erect penis. The central vulture's wings tilt towards the ball, implying the ball, if representing some celestial object, also must be in the same part of the sky as the other forms depicted. If the vulture, scorpion, dividing line, and ball represent parts of the sky, could they be matched with the night sky in 9600 BCE? that's basically so, the foundation for what is still being argued today right
1: right um now there are a couple different interpretations of this and we'll get into that but um uh, this guy Rodney Hill yeah yeah um, yeah who is a british chartered engineer that's my boy worked in the field of archaeoastronomy um devised an answer to this so if the dividing line between the two sections of the pillar is to be taken as the local horizon, and the constellation of Scorpius is lined up with the approximate position of the stone scorpion, then the ball placed above the wing of the vulture corresponds perfectly with the northern celestial pole, the turning point of the heavens around which the sun are seen to revolve each night. Uh, despite during the epoch of 9600 BCE, the northern celestial pole was located in the constellation of Hercules yet at the time no bright star was close enough for it to assume the pole of pole the role of pole star uh since then the pole has shifted its position due to the con- consequences of precession caused by the actual wobble of the earth uh, across a cycle of approximately 26000 years which pause we know from earlier podcasts that the ancient civilizations did have a good understanding of what is known as the great year, which is the procession of the equinoxes. Yeah. This is a good example uh, of the great year right here. Yep. Um, uh, I'm glad you had those screenshots because I'm doing as well. Awesome. And this is from Martin Sweatman's YouTube videos, which I highly recommend going check out. They're short. They're curious. awesome. They're great. They're great to check out. So we'll go yeah. give that a, a, a look. A look through yeah it corresponds really well with this although i will say that and we'll get into this i guess but martin swettman's uh, interpretation of this pillar is different from the author is proposing here i don't know if you picked up on that
0: yeah he he but it's I quite think different he, i think he did a really great job of of breaking it down but we'll get yeah. into we'll get into that we will certainly get into that i just wanted to use his picture
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: He had a, um, yeah, there were some good pictures, and I thought I got screenshots from it, but apparently I did not.
1: So, yeah, I, I should have some as well. Fuck. Bust them up. Yeah, but the uh, thing is, I think I have on my iPad. I don't feel like getting up again. Okay, that's that okay. Bad. So, oh, well, I know you yeah. have, you should have them. The northern celestial pole is technically the
0: turning point, um, but yeah, it represented Hercules. And Hercules, you said that had no north star at the time. So I think that means it wouldn't be accurate to assume the ball represents the northern celestial sphere since there Not was Not necessarily,
1: no. it was just, yeah. and they just observed the, I mean, if you're looking at the sky every night and you're watching the stars rotate around you and you map them out on a nightly basis and you have a grid system that you do this with. It's possible that even without a north star that you they could still see this um this hole basically in the in the I don't want to say hole, but you would notice this rotational point within the sky that all the stars are yeah, rotating around, that's right? That's true. That's true. So, Which is even more I don't impressive know, I, Yeah. To, like, so I don't calculate. know that necessarily need a uh, a north star to be able to see that. But speaking of holes. It just so happens holes. that go ahead. Speaking of hole, because that kind of is part of the
0: theory, the Northern Celestial Pole viewed by the Chukchi and Altaians, uh, which were shamanic societies of Northern Asia, they viewed the hole in which the soul passes after death. They viewed the Northern Celestial Pole as the hole your soul passes through after death. Similar to the hole in the top of the tents or the yurts that the smoke would
1: pass through. Yeah. That was a, a section of the chapter of this book. Yeah, yeah, um, and
0: either your body goes through the whole of the northern celestial sphere when you die, or your the shamans would mimic death because your soul takes the same path when you're under the influence of psychedelics. So it was like mm. a shamanistic psychedelic thing where they'd be in the tent, with the smoke tripping and their spirit would be leaving with the smoke through the hole in the tent and their ritual belief was that their spirits leaving it's like a parallel mm. between the two yeah have you ever
1: done dmt yes yeah, I, I took a couple of hits and i wasn't that strong i I, I got tired oh what the fuck i hear like people bl- like my friends that tell me they blast off into the center of the universe i'm just wondering if like they're smoking dmt like substances or like soup not necessarily dmt but super strong psychedelics where you feel like you're among the stars and you feel like you pass through that celestial yeah uh,
0: hole and that's basically what that is so on pillar 43 that head represents the northern celestial pole and also connects into their skull cult of the soul passing through that and also shamans would mimic that in the hole in their tent when they your spirit does the same thing but yeah i got tired when i did dmt i wasn't so fortunate as the trip my balls off so the vulture then corresponds the cygnus and i will share that later the eye of the vulture even corresponds directly to the astronomical position of the constellation's brightest star deneb however the vulture is oversized and takes up stars of the neighboring constellations and here's where i'll share because i have a shit ton to share the vulture is oversized if we're actually mapping it to that area of the sky but not coincidentally does it oh i'm sharing my notes watch this J dog
2: what's
0: going on my fridge so it's the the vulture is too big and it takes up all of these constellations vulpecula it it takes up vulpecula um its name is latin for little fox this is vulpecula so cygnus cygnus the actual constellation is this big you can see in the picture it's one of the constellations in this area but apparently on pillar 43 it's oversized so it basically takes up all of these constellations so that was a curious thing because everything's deliberate so let's keep going through these vulpecula latin for little fox identified in the 17th Mm -mm. century is located in the middle of the summer triangle an asterism consisting of the bright stars Deneb, Vega, and Altair. That's the summer triangle. The vulture also takes up Sagita is a dim but distinctive constellation in the northern sky. Its name is Latin for arrow. Not to be confused with the significantly larger constellation Sagittarius, the archer.
2: Hmm.
0: Okay, so there's Sagita. Looks like a little arrow. It yeah, does look like an arrow the vulture cygnus also takes up delphinus It's a small constellation in the northern celestial hemisphere close to the celestial equator his name is latin is the latin version for the greek word for dolphin it's one of the smaller constellations mm-hmm. delphinus is five brightest stars form the asterism symbolizing a dolphin with four stars representing the body and one the tail. I don't know how a dolphin would
1: tie into all this, but cool. Dolphins are fucking smart, dude.
2: That's yeah, how. but
1: I'm saying they don't show up on any of the uh, pillars at Gobekli Tepe. It is bordered right. I was into the other ones so far. I was like, oh, damn. Yeah,
0: Pegasus. Latin words
1: were derived from these
0: is uh named after the winged horse Pegasus
1: in Greek mythology. So all of these constellations you're naming were, were if if the if if the celestial pole was in the correct position at the time of uh Rodney Hale's findings, the vulture would have been so large that it would have encompassed all of these different constellations yes
0: including hercules you're going
1: over it covers hercules as well
0: and we all know who hercules is roman mythological hero adapted from the greek hero heracles i love how that's all connects back to Sumer. they just recycled it it covers lyra one of the 48 listed by the second century astronomer ptolemy Lyra was often represented on star maps as a vulture and eagle carrying a lyre, and hence is sometimes referred to as vulture cadence or aquila cadence, falling vulture or falling eagle. That is it right there. Aquila, Latin for eagle, and it represents the bird that carried Zeus slash Jupiter's thunderbolts. Its brightest star, Altair, is also in the summer triangle. And that's all the constellations. But basically, it takes up the three stars that make the summer triangle Deneb and Cygnus, Altair and Aquila, and Vega and Lyre. In Greek Hellenic tradition, all three of these stars were considered vultures. In Greek Hellenic myth, they are the Stymphalian birds or harpies, three monstrous creatures that were part human and part vulture. In babylonian mythology cygnus aquila and lyra were the three skybirds that attacked the god belmarduk the mesopotamian equivalent of hercules in armenian sky lore the stars of cygnus were seen as an ancient constellation known as Angeg, the vulture because armenia major embraced parts of the southeastern anatolia region including the san Lierfa province which is something that kind of comes up again later uh, so according to the author it follows that the vultures the constellation cygnus expanded to include all three stars of the summer triangle and because Armenia major embraced southeast anatolia it seems like they put this to me one thing i thought was like they made it cover each one of these stars that represents a culture in that region almost like the pyramids are laid out like the osiris osiris's mm-hmm. belt that's what i was thinking like almost like these cultures were like we're deneb you lyra they're altair and maybe they're even geographically mapped similar Psst, that's just what i was thinking because Possibly. it mentions armenia major embraced it and it's part of their sky lore too uh, cygnus was was known as engeg which was also a vulture vulture in our media age so there's like this weird vulture consistent symbology way
1: back when yeah and it's possible that that's what that represents but um there are definitely other interpretations of what these these animals could uh in these inscriptions on pillar 43 could mean let's let's get into it what do they mean j-dog well, um, so you want to go over the Martin Sweatman stuff? Because Martin Swetman uh, had a similar belief. That he believed that this was a depiction of a sky at a certain time, but they disagreed on the actual timing of when um, it occurred because they disagreed on the meaning of what the circle represented on the pillar. So, you know, the, the book, uh, Andrew Collins and Gregory Little, uh, they're they're proposing that that circle is representative of, of the celestial pole. Whereas if you follow up on Martin Swetman's work on Gobekli Tepe, he is referring to um, the sun. So he actually believes that the yeah. circle represents the sun and um, it, the different a- animals all represent um, corresponding constellations um, based on the specific date of when Scorpius was in the position that it's in on that pillar.
0: Before we get to that, you have some
1: screenshots that you can share for that.
0: Yeah. um, There's this couple, there's a little bit left in the book though.
1: Oh yeah. Let's finish up the books uh, findings. And then I have one other one that um, I don't know if we'll get to it tonight, but it's a quick theory on what this could all mean. And it does make sense as well. And it has nothing to do with the cosmos and the stars at all. So anyway, let's finish out the book. Um,
0: you can see that, right? Yep. Uh, so Cygnus rising above the horizon because the book finishes up talking about the other vulture, this one, this one right here, vulture chick. It, so yeah. It calls the vulture it. chick. What is that? So since the ball represents the Northern celestial pole, according to the book, if a straight line is drawn down, it connects that to the the body. It is seen to line up perfectly, therefore dividing it east and west. If this, if that's the horizon, then that would be the meridian. So, with the west side representing the western night sky where constellations descend into the horizon, then the eastern side represents where they're born again, mm. or reach, reaching the meridian. The wings of the vulture tilt towards the ball as if to acknowledge it as the soul of the human that has departed to its destination through the hole in the sky. And that seems kind of arbitrary, but...
1: That's what I thought when I read that part.
0: But If you go further into chapter three, which is, um, I think, what I was talking about earlier today, but the vulture is seen as... The creature that carries your soul into the afterlife mm. therefore the vulture th- those were called psychopomps and uh we'll we'll talk about that briefly after martin sweatman but just for right now east and west and that vulture on the right is rising and being birthed and that is the one setting the scorpion is shown below the horizon representing its role as a guardian to the underworld shamanic traditions of central and northern asia and also north america called the lower world or beneath world in greek hellenic tradition this was the tunnel-like underworld called hades in ancient egyptian tradition it was known as the duat scorpius has traditionally been seen as the lower world creature it was also seen as a guardian of the land of the dead Rites concerning the transition of a soul of a soul from the land of the living to the land of the dead might only have been possible if Scorpius was below the horizon. So this is also like a ritualistic snapshot of the perfect time for your soul to ritualistically be mm. sent into the afterlife, sent- which which gets into shamanic traditions when these things line up. Because at the time, this lined up every year. This was their the constellations in place. Now it's different. Because of the, yeah. So every year they the can have this wobble. summer solstice-type ritual where they... Send their soul into the whatever the fuck. The underworld. Yeah. The so wrapping up what's in the book, the headless body is either an animated corpse, somebody that has died and their soul is on the way, or a shaman, somebody who's practicing the ritual of sending your spirit on de- on command through this process. Um this represents the path of the soul through the hole in the sky and the hole in the tent. That's what I was saying earlier. The soul was represented by a head or a skull in these cultures all the time and was thought to leave the body after death or in altered states of consciousness. Uh, and go back Lapi has shown to be one of the earliest known sites having a skull cult because they start discovering these things and this is where we get into martin swetman's video <coughs> which also begins with this picture i'm sharing so jesse basically uh this is a map of the sky from that time that's the horizon the meridian is the ball and the head and it represents the celestial north pole and the skull cult of your soul passing through the hole in the sky, whether you're dying and it's actually passing through the hole in the sky to get to the, or your shaman tripping balls in a tent because your spirit does the same thing when you're high on drugs. And to get deeper into it, we're now going to look at uh, video one of Dr. Martin Swetman's six-part series, Prehistory Decoded. Jesse, what, what does Dr. Martin Swetman say? And this is, this picture is from his video.
1: So, uh, Dr. Martin Sweatman built on a theory proposed by um, Graham Hancock back in "Fingerprints of the Gods," where he proposed that what was depicted on Göbekli Tepe was uh, scorpion. The scorpion at the bottom was uh, the constellation Scorpio, and the um constellation that would be represented by the vulture was actually Cygnus um and that was based off of the date that Graham Hancock had picked at the time which would have for some reason been the sun passing through today's date if I I recall correctly is that right Dylan the way he described that part um (laughs) I don't know. the way graham hancock was describing it. And, and then martin Swetna- swetman essentially said no that was the wrong interpretation of it that that what oh, was yeah, represented he would- by the vulture was actually uh sagittarius not cygnus which uh and then they did some some uh so it was graham hancock and Sol- solarium is the program we're looking at right here it was graham hancock thought it was cygnus
0: martin swetman says sagittarius right right so Graham Hancock, Cygnus, then the ball is the sun. Martin Swetman, Sagittarius, then the ball is...
1: And forgive me, I don't have any notes in front of me. I'm just going off my head on this. So. Oh, wow, that's pretty impressive. I got notes right here. Let me read this. I will be fucking this up. So um, <clears throat> um, Mr. Martin Swetman proposes that, that Vulture was Sagittarius, not Cygnus. Um, and then to prove his theory, they use this program called Solarium where you're able to go back and see what, where the, what constellations the sun was passing through on a given date when looking at a given section of the sky. Um, so why don't you read through your notes on how we came to this date of 10,950 and what's important about that date. All right.
0: Um, this bird represents Oh, us but it's not in the perfect position according to Martin Swetman this is the vulture right this wing
1: yeah so what Dylan is po- uh, po- pointing out right here is he's pointing to Sagittarius and um, that would be the vulture um, as represented in the year. Uh, 10,950 B.C. Um, The goose at the bottom looks like Libra,
0: and this is Martin Sweatman. The dog wolf looks like Lupus. This dog would be Lupus here. Libra, Libra, Scorpius, Scorpius. I guess that's Apuchus. Remember the bird that's rising?
1: Yeah, the vulture chick.
0: the small vulture on, on Pillar 43. Yeah, the small vulture. So basically, Swetman might not believe that theory, and he thinks it might line up with just another constellation.
1: Yeah, essentially the argument is, it does that ball represent the celestial pole in the sky, or does that ball represent the sun? At the time when
0: Sagittarius was right here, right? Correct, which was ten thousand nine
1: hundred and fifty BC, or, no, or the book is proposing that that constellation is Cygnus. So the book is actually proposing what yeah. uh, Graham Hancock is proposing. So these are Whereas two different Martin theories. Sweatman, yeah, Martin Sweatman is saying that no, that's the sun that that ball is representing, which gotcha. would represent either a different date or those are different constellations they're referring to. Right. Um, the
0: handbag symbols, according to Martin Sweatman, and I like this theory. Yeah, this Tell theory us. makes sense to me supposedly represent the other three solstices and equinoxes and instead of handbags they are pictures of the suns on the horizon and that does look like a sun now like whenever it sets on the horizon it's flat like that and the rays can you hear that siren no oh yeah a little bit you can hear it hopefully they're Mm -hmm. picking up some dead homeless people that odied in their rvs just joking. All right, back to the ancient <laughs> stuff, huh? Um, that was a dark joke. <sighs> hey, well, we're speaking of like dying and stuff, right? So, like, maybe, maybe that ambulance is going. Maybe those homeless people are free, and their souls going through that hole in the sky. Then they don't have to worry about cooking meth on the side of the road no more, flipping off traffic. Anyway, I'm a. Uh, I'm having flashbacks of the homeless problem near you. Yeah. They've been back and forth. They all left and the whole road was trashed. And it was like, damn, how can they do that? And then they all came back and it's legal. Yeah. Yeah. So the handbags represent the other three solstices and equinoxes. And instead of handbags, they're pictures of the sun on the horizon. The animals near them correspond to the corresponding constellations. Pisces, respectively. First one, that's Pisces, right?
1: Yeah, why a, don't you use the screenshot another, of this section?
0: I have another I have another one.
1: Nope, not that one. Not
0: that one. Uh well, that's my other screenshot of this section. So All right, that's I'm Pisces on the first handbag, and that's oh, the asterisk that's the asterism. Go ahead. I'll take uh, stop screen sharing you can you can share i said it so that you can override it oh it wouldn't let me there you go pisces was the first bag gemini is the second bag in the winter solstice there yeah there you go i had that one too uh, and virgo is the third one of the spring equinox so the main one is like the main pillar 43 vulture must be the main equinox and all of that happens at 10,900 plus or minus 250 years and the odds, so they did the odds st- st-
1: yeah so they did a statistical analysis of like a scientific breakdown of like all right well you know picking which asterisms each of wait, these wait, animals wait, wait, represent wait, wait, wait. i have a question before we go
0: too far okay Pisces, Gemini, and Virgo are equinoxes, respectively, like a, a, a fall, winter, and spring. This all happens is what the is what he says. This all happens at ten thousand nine hundred plus or minus two hundred fifty years. Mm-hmm. So at that time, these equinoxes recurred annually. Correct.
1: Yes. Correct.
0: That's how it works. I'm just wanted to clear that up. So these Econocence happened
1: solstices. Yes,
0: these happened every year for as long as our great year was facing yeah. Hercules. For, right for twenty-six thousand her- years. Can, yes. can we go back to that zodiac one real quick? Yeah. So this great year. There we go. There we go. Here we go. So that shows the earth in the four different positions around the sun throughout the year. Oh, this is summer 11,000 BC, summer 17,500 BC. See, this is what's confusing me because this is actually thousands of years apart. This isn't actual actually
1: annually. You know what I'm saying? This That's is just, cool. just showing you the precession of the equinoxes. This was not showing you what was necessarily on pillar 43. Well, yes, it's next to the handbags.
0: These are next to the handbags. That's Libra,
1: handbag one, handbag two, and handbag three. Right? Right. But the point he was making, so during the summer of, what, 10,500 BC, uh, you would have the, you would see Pisces, is that right? Is that the, the, is that Gemini? So you would see Gemini there. And at the, the uh, northern celestial sphere the, would be at Gemini. Is that what you're saying? So the let's northern- see, yeah. So On the opposite side of that. So in the winter, right, I guess you Well, would that's have, nine thousand
0: years apart, so it's not the winter. No, no, no. But listen uh, You're talking about the great year? The winter of the I'm great year. I'm not talking
1: about the great year, but if you were just if this was just in a normal year. The, uh, directly opposite yeah. of that is the constellation and i'm not sure if this is how right. it works but this is how uh, i'm putting it together. directly opposite of that would be the constellation um sagittarius yep. and then if you look at like in between those two constellations right where fall would uh, fall you have uh, this pisces. symbol which is pisces and this symbol which is what libra or whatever Virgo. Virgo, so, right? Spring, so Summer, summer, summer summer. Yeah, but this is just saying uh, this picture is showing you that all right, so if you were in summer That's 4500 BC. Yeah. Yeah, this is a great year, but in the video he's not he's using this to describe like all right, well, if you were in uh this particular great year on the summer uh I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this to you. You'd have to go back and rewatch the video. He's talking about something different on top of this image as he's going through it. So that's probably why it's confusing you. He's he's essentially saying that in the course of a, a single year during that particular great year, if you look at these constellations opposite of each other. So Gemini is going to be opposite of Sagittarius. Uh, Pisces is going to be opposite of Virgo. Um, as that as the sun pa- as the Earth goes around the sun in that particular great year, so that would be the constellations that these ancient people would be seeing. Uh, it would be different if you were in uh, summer of 4,500 BC or summer of 1750 BC or summer 2000 AD he just used this to show that the reason that this is not what we would look up and see today is because of the great year, because we're going to see the opposite constellation in our summertime based on where we're at in the great year. I don't know if that made any fucking sense at all, but it's a difficult thing to describe. But anyway, I'm sorry. That was a long, useless tangent. Well, it's not useless. cut Cut that whole section out.
0: No, um, Pisces, Gemini, and Virgo. Cause the, in the video, he.
1: Let's just watch that section. Fuck it. What the fuck are we doing?
0: We're trying to figure it out. That's the, that's the name of this game. Yeah. Hold on, hold on don't play it yet. Cause right here, he's saying Pisces, Gemini, and Virgo are represented by the handbags as the solstice and the equinoxes. And this all happens at ten thousand nine hundred years ago. So that to to statement, that one part that statement. Do you understand what I'm asking? This statement right here is he talking about annually those equinoxes
1: or yes, according, yeah. So all right, here we go. We're going to listen to just one section. This is a short section of the video. Actually, it's going to play ads in five. Wow, solstices and equinoxes at this time. Do you have the sound? Can you hear that? So that's yeah. a nice idea. But what is? You can. And over the whole world rose a clamor of hysterical joy. World War
2: One promised us a perpetual peace. I right, skip ads. All right. This procession of the equinoxes, and how can it be used to represent a date? Well, you know that the Earth rotates on its axis. Does that once a day? But that axis of rotation itself processes over the course of about 26,000 years. So it's like a wobbling top. 25,920, but whatever. And that has observable consequences. Uh, it yes. means that uh, if we look behind the sun, if we could see behind the sun and see what constellations there on the summer solstice today, okay, we would see the constellation Gemini. On the solstice. 11,000 years ago, if we were to do the same thing, if we were to look at the sky behind the sun, on the summer solstice, we would see the constellation Sagittarius, as shown on Pillar 43. Um, So the summer solstice constellation gradually um, rotates around the zodiac, and it's the same for the other uh, equinox constellations and the winter solstice. So by writing down all four of the constellations corresponding to summer and winter uh, solstices and spring autumn awesome equinoxes you can write a date accurate to within about 500 years there you go so that's what we propose in the 43
0: Represents. okay so what part of the great year do those constellations wind up behind the sun during the summer solstice that what what do you mean if you were to ask that question that would be the answer if if the pillar oh, okay. 40 if pillar 43 if that is representing the solstices of a year because that's yeah, the you thing that's confusing a, me because it's a hybrid statement it's the solstices of that year in that within the great year of the great year so right it was like a fractal picture so it's like a it's like a reverse puzzle like here's the like an astronomical uh part of a test in college. Like if, if these are your solstices, which one's missing? Oh, Sagittarius. Like, okay, what part of the great year were they lined up behind the sun during a solstice? It's like, oh, okay. And then the, the puzzle gets a little more specific. It's like, okay, it was 10,900 plus or minus 250 years. It's like, good. And then some other person's like 12, 12,000 years. They get it wrong, but you see what I'm saying? Yeah.
1: So, so what he, end, so what he ended up doing to determine like the accuracy of this date, um, was math. Yeah. They basically was math. So there are 11 different, um, animal figures depicted on all of these different pillars at Gobekli Tepe 13, roughly 13 animals, 13. Animal 13. So that's an occult. Uh, yeah, bro. D- d- do you have notes on yeah, how the they odd. did this, this, this statistical breakdown? I'd yeah, like you to share that. The odds of getting these animal
0: symbols is in the tens of millions, he says. If each, so a, if each symbol is a dice with 13 sides, because there are roughly 13 animal symbols that have appeared at Gobekli Tepe, not just on this stone. So there's 13 symbols at Gobekli Tepe total. And if each one was a dice with 13 sides, if we take into account the orientation of the symbols as well, you get one in seven.
1: Well, the one in seven in the, for the orientational correlation,
0: because there's seven orientations available or something that goes beyond me. Okay. But that's what he did. Okay. Combined with one in 20 million, which is how many options you get with 13, 13 sided dice. Then you get one in forty million that this particular orientation is the case on the stone. So one in forty million is the final result of doing statistics with all of one the one in one hundred forty million. One in one hundred forty million. Wow, yeah. that's the odds
1: could be cut in. They did this statistical breakdown because you know oh, all oh, of these different sorry that that's the other thing they
0: fucking factored in the orientation. And I was like, how do you do that? But that's based off of the great year. So I guess there's like twenty-five thousand nine hundred and twenty options in the great year for each year mixed in with all of the options of 13, 13 sided dice. So those are the two things that like multiply together to give you these astronomical odds. If it was just symbols, like them picking symbols, that's still crazy odds that all of the symbols from
1: point being point being the, the odds that they pick these particular symbols that, that, Could be closely related to particular asterisms in this in uh, these different constellations in the orientation with which they're laid out on the pillar is one in 140 million so it's a very if you do the math based on those those statistics those uh those factors then it's a very low probability that this could be depicted uh, of a different time if you were thinking that those animals represented constellations that's what i was trying to say did i not say that well enough no you said i'm mean, I just kind of resummarize it, it in my voice sorry <coughs> I,
0: that's crazy odds man it's crazy and odds. i like that that's that's one of my favorite parts of his video because <laughs> all of the other stuff is almost like induction is just creating a good odds for something to be the case like it's pretty but actually going figuring out the odds well i guess it's the same thing but yeah that would be the same thing
1: so he did a good job of like making it something that could be unscientific as scientific as possible Right. That's what I was trying to say. Because odds, how can you go against...
0: If somebody at work... May, say you mentioned this to somebody at work. And they're like, oh, that's just fucking crazy. It's like, actually, it's 1 in 141 million that that would be the case. So if you want to go against statistics, be my guest. Badass logo, dude. It looks like you're in space, man. That's so cool. <laughs>
1: and so, so then he goes in... The next video goes into what was significant about that particular date. Why would they depict that date on these pillars and that's in video two you got some notes um, on that
0: I, I watched it but i didn't take notes but it was pretty relevant
1: no it's just basically the theory of the younger dryas impact which is the exact theory that the book is uh talking about so they, they end up at the same conclusion uh the book and martin Swetman that this pillar was representing the events that occurred um during the younger dryas impact i don't really have notes i have screenshots that i can share share them dude you can't even see see my microphone right now
0: yeah there you go dude that is awesome all right sorry i like the logo (laughs)
1: let me find my uh screenshots here we go
0: it's like a sports team dude we need to make jerseys right of hats,
1: and we've already talked about some of this evidence, so we'll breeze through this pretty quick. So, yes, he is showing a picture of the black mat layer. The black mat layer, uh, this Wait. layer it can be found in a huge uh, area. Ooh, that was a beautiful! Picture. What was
0: the map of the Levant, the topographic map? Yeah, yeah. that's the
1: Levant. There you go, the Levant more gobekli tepi it's in here somewhere there we go um that black mat layer we were just looking at can be found at sites all through what's known as the younger driest boundary field or ydb um, 21 y, total ydb field they have 21 different total sites that they found this map back Black layer within, and what with this black layer rep- can? You, what does that layer represent, Dylan? Do you remember exactly the what it, the cause the, of that? Yeah,
0: after the major comet impact of roughly twelve thousand eight hundred years ago, all of the ash and debris and acid rain that fell from the sky from volcanic activity and nuclear the impacts of the comet
1: striking the earth yeah
0: nuclear equivalent to nuclear how do you say that nuclear blasts basically it just put shit all up in the sky for a long time and it rained down and when it all settled it turned into the black mat layer so that's it's literally the ash and debris
1: of and it, it's pretty destroyed. amazing like There were like pretty advanced cultures that you know you find artifacts like refined tools below this black matte layer. Yeah, we're going to get into that too because uh,
0: we're really trying to get into giants.
1: Yeah, we already have, but uh, in last episode that we talked about this, but below the matte black layer, you find all these like sophisticated tools that these ancient civilizations were using, Mm -hmm. and above it, it, it's all crude as if like they forgot all the knowledge of how to go through and make those sophisticated tools yeah like they so it's like almost as if civilization was wiped out by some crazy and that's uh, cosmic event that's
0: that's the narrative just based off of archaeology looking at the layers If they were just to say the activity of society based off layers they'd be like everything was pretty advanced it appears everything was completely destroyed and covered in its own ash and started over and we can see everything start back over so that's one, one piece of
1: evidence that there, there, this there's also
0: a layer of it being white because of such high levels of heat shot. So it, like it got like flashed white, like bleached almost. I think and people, it also do the acid rain as well. The acid rain made it do white as well. Mm-hmm. Go white as well. Yeah. So they have like the black mat and then a layer of bright white that lets them know something really hot happened. That only happens and not, microspherals or vitrification although that is found but it just appears like the earth was just shocked
1: bleached basically that's not what i wanted to do um, so that's one piece of evidence you have that matte black layer there are a couple other pieces in there as well Damn it, man. I don't have all of my uh, screenshots that I originally had. And Those it's are a lot of trading. beautiful graphs, though. What were you looking for? Um, there was one on the temperature. Different temperature changes that he had uh, mapped out on this graph that lead up to present. And it was... Uh, I saw you on one. So that had it. Temperature. No, that's not it. 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 Fuck. Oh, well. Um, it showed you could see it right here, right in this image where it talks about hasn't the YD theory been debunked. Um, it shows this graph of the temperatures and how there is a sudden cooling at the exact time of the theorized younger dry ship Im- impact. Um, And then a warming at the end of the last mini ice age uh, as well. So that's more evidence. They had uh, sediment that they found at the bottom of lakes near Gobekli Tepe that um, had this, there's this charcoal horizon at this specific depth that would have lined up with uh, the dates of the Younger Dryas impact. Um, so if you looked at the, and there was also a platinum spike they found, and I forget where they got this data at, but if you look at this giant platinum spike, uh, that lines up with the dates of the Younger Dry impact. So if you combine all the evidence together, uh, the dates line up roughly within, uh, f- for the platinum spike between 10,870 BC and the black, uh, black mat, uh, lines up within 10,825 plus minus 50 BC. So those dates actually line up perfectly with each other. So once again, more evidence that um, our world was rocked by this tremendous cosmic impact uh, back in 10,870-ish BC, which potentially wiped out, you know, whatever forms of civilization were at the at that time whether they were advanced or primitive um quite obvious some cosmic event wiped it out so yeah yeah that was the second video where he goes into why would they try to depict a date like that on this giant um monolithic pillar in gobekli Tepe, and well because it was the restart of humanity
0: right and you know that's the crazy part is that one in 141 million odds, it's not even the odds if you factored in the likelihood it would also line up with the last catastrophe that restarted. That's like the third factor. It's like they got the symbols that are there. They got the summer equinoxes that are there. And it's also the time where the catastrophe happened. it's It's pretty... I mean that would be in yeah, the that's pretty hundreds, compelling, hundreds of billions of odds. How would you factor that in? Now the odds that it lined up on it because how many catastrophes are there and they go back like hundreds of millions of years. So you're talking these huge numbers to like factor in.
1: Now I want to be fair. Not everyone believes this uh, pillar is depicting a cosmic event um, that occurred during the Younger impact. So let me. Uh, we'll wrap it up with this last theory. Um, before we close out this episode so i came across just uh this page old european culture and i was like uh let me see what they have to say about this um they actually believe i'm trying to think of the easiest way to sum this up uh, this, this person has a bunch of articles about zodiac signs and what their meanings were and how they're actually used as solar calendar markers and they're used to mark part of the sol- solar year when the animal in which the zodiac is representing has its mating or birthing season, which is an obvious annual event that you can't miss. Uh, This use of animals in solar calendars predates the Greek Zodiac by thousands of years and was ubiquitous all over Eurasia and North Africa and used uh, the same way since the Neolithic. Uh, Both animals depicted on Pillar 43, vultures and scorpion, were used in Middle East and Central Asia as calendar markers to mark the beginning of the rain season. So why would they do that? In the area of Gobekli Tepe, the solar year was divided into two seasons, dry season, which is the end of May to start October, and rain or wet season, which is the end of October to start of May. And in places with this kind of climate, the arrival of life-giving rain is the most important calendar event. Vultures begin their mating season when the first rains arrive in November. I'm going to share my screen right now. Please do. Um, and you can't miss it because they start their synchronized displays. Um, scorpions hide when the temperature gets too low, which in the area of Gobekli Tepe is also when the first rains will arrive, November. And you can't miss this because they disappear from the fields where it's cold and wet, and they appear in your houses where it's warm and dry. So both scorpion and vultures being depicted on pillar 43 could mean when rains arrive. Cool, but maybe that's just coincidence. So, how do you explain the bags? Well, scorpion was used in Mesopotamia uh, as the calendar marker to mark the beginning of the grain gro- grain sowing season. Sowing of grains was done after the first rains when scorpions disappear. Um, after the furrow is made, the seeds are planted into the furrow. And how did these s- sowers bring the seeds to the field? Well, most likely in a basket or bag with a handle. Like this one and they show some other ancient depictions. It's like this one walking next to the plow on this Mesopotamian seal. And if you can see it right there. Or like this one seen carried by in, in this Egyptian mural, which is right there. Mm. Oh shit, seeds. Or this one carried by this European medieval, European medieval drawing. And you would or plant the seeds in the summer, right? The solstice. I'm sure that time has something to do with. Or this the one. Yeah. And this one in the Van Gogh paintings. So. Well, Van Gogh didn't know so, shit. Yeah, whatever. So these baskets keep popping up over and over. So uh, he says, I wonder if the basket like objects found depicted all over Mesopotamia were possibly actually just baskets full of grain seeds used for planting new grain. If you think about it, the mental jump from all of the seeds you collect to save some of the seeds to plant them so they will grow into plants that will produce more seeds next year was huge. It was a paradigm shift of the highest order. The faith placed in these seeds was massive. The expectation was these seeds were uh, was uh, huge. They know from ethnographic records that the seeds are treated in a special way and that special rituals were performed with them, that blood sacrifices were offered to them all in hope that the seeds would take, sprout, grow, ripen eventually after a whole solar year has passed, yield more seeds than were originally in the basket. Um, so, blah, 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 blah. You could, you could, uh, it would be so important you could make a religion out of it. So
0: Basically, he's saying that yeah. the religion was around seeds because it was the Neolithic revolution of farming. Right. Correct. And agriculture. That's fair, but that only explains a fraction of pillar 43 which is a fraction of gobekli Tepe.
1: yeah i just want to share like a, another perspective i think that's fair we should do that that is instead fair of, instead but, of just trying to utilize confirmation bias to believe what we want to believe in this book which is that these we aliens ancient, yeah aliens basically
0: that's not what the book says by the way no. Not at all. And this book is, that's just the beginning of this book. We're going to be getting into chapter three, one chapter three. And the name of the book is Denisovan origins by Andrew Collins. So it's really laying the groundwork for little, because I think what he gets into eventually in this book is like this religion based around what appears to be some accurate astronomical mapping on the pillar or something about seeds like a ritual around seeds i doubt it around seeds but does it connect to a more older cultures before the impact so then it gets into the ancient ancient you know what i'm saying it gets into that's ancient, what i'm interested ancient. in ancient and that's, that's when the, the confirmation
1: bias comes in because i like want to believe that there are these ancient ancient civilizations yeah. full of and- giant people and super intelligent beings with yeah advanced technology and- what you were saying earlier
0: about what they found below the dirt about things from societies like pottery and art and stuff one thing that kind of sparked this whole roundabout thing from the nazis to the hollow earth just go back to our old episodes in the middle of sprinkled article episodes where we cover like some recent events but the deep dives are all in this course from the nazis into all of this ancient shit but the Denisovans, super, super ancient, like 50,000-year-old or something, they found a bracelet in a cave in Russia, and there's a drill hole through this bracelet. And it, they do, like, microscope tests on it, and it's absolutely a high-speed drill bit that drilled this hole. So how did they do that? Yeah, and it's older than our... Modern recorded history, which goes back ninety six hundred, it's that that bracelet and what they're finding with these Denisovan origins and giants, caves and old things, is like fifty thousand years old, and Cygnus is like the beginning of it. But and that also makes me think about Rush because they had that record called Cygnus X Book One, and mm-hmm. it's a epic record about concept record about a guy who finds an instrument in a cave and then the king and the empire wanted to outlaw this magical music that was coming from this instrument. So I thought that was interesting back in the seventies, Neil Pert was in tune enough with stuff like this without the internet to write his own story about a guy who like the bracelet finds this high piece of architecture in an ancient, ancient cave, Cygnus, back in this time when it was the constellation 25, whatever thousand years ago. It's old.
1: I mean, he 15, was a
0: part old, of the Illuminati. And then the empire tries to outlaw it. And that's what the empire today tries to do is keep us from knowing that aliens invented us somewhere near Jerusalem. In the Levant. After. No, that's not what this book says, but... (laughs) I mean, everything just connects, man. Rush, this, Nazis, Operation Paperclip, Nazis, lizard people, giants, Russia.
1: Nazis. Nazis. It's like you can't... No, it goes back to the Nazis.
0: Like, if you go deep enough, one thing... Like the Six Degrees of Separation or the Six Degrees of uh, John Bacon? Yeah. You know that game is based off of a statistical mathematical breakthrough of like the 50s called the
1: Six Degrees of Separation? Mm Mm-hmm. You know that? Yeah, I knew that. I I knew of it, of the Six Degrees of Separation, before knowing it of the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Right
0: on. It's like the difference between small world networks and large world networks, like computer modes and internet hubs. It's like there's a circle of dots and they get from one dot to this dot. You have to go through all the dots. But if you create like one hub in the middle, now you, within two points, you can go to any dot. So... That's a large world network where everything's connected, and that's like history. Because if you look into one thing, you're not far away from connecting it to something that seems totally unrelated. Like Nazis, that's true. Go back Tepe and then giants and chocolate, chocolate because Nazis and the corporate power structure and the child slaves that we talked about in one of the recent episodes in West Africa, and then Tesla, right. and then right back into the Nazis. And then it's crazy, man. Fucking I like doing like these, these podcasts are a lot of work, but they're always rewarding. Where else fun. can you like look into stuff with a friend and then talk about it? No one does that.
1: Uh, just podcast. Yeah. It'd be a weirdo if you just did this for your on your free time without putting it online for other people to listen to. Right. Yeah. I mean,
0: maybe in your twenties, but when you're getting old, like us, yeah, we're getting old. Your hairline's looking good, though. Yeah. What
1: is your hair? I don't hairline's... think I'm losing it. No,
0: you don't I don't think, think you I'm are. my hair? Nah. I think I started having a little patch. I think it's starting
1: to go on me.
0: Where
1: is it? Oh, I already have gray in my beard. I don't give a fuck about gray. I don't care about the beard. But I don't think. I don't right, think I'm losing my hair. Oh yeah. Right I see. Here, you see it? Yeah, bro, it's getting back there.
0: I've always had like that hairline, but this part recently thinned out.
1: This part's normal. You're gonna thing. be you're gonna have like the you. Yeah, the inverse you. Yeah, I'm trying to not though. I'm what can you, like you do it, though? You know what I mean? Nothing. Shave
0: it if it gets like that, fucking. Because there's like young guys that have it worse. So it's almost not All really right. indicative of your age as much as it is just genetics right but it's still not bad it's not bad enough i can still be in denial about it
1: no it's not bad dude i I mean i didn't notice until you pointed it out to me yeah uh i i think i'm I'm good for a while and i don't give a shit if i start losing i'm shaving it okay that's good that's care.
0: good fun episode man i'm glad we did this talking about pillar 43 because death of skeptics our band one of our new songs is called vulture stone and the it was a perfect stone. time to rebrand with skeptics telegraph new podcast first episode under the new official banner that we're proud
1: of new logos fuck yeah
0: talking about Vulture sp- Stone. i'm in space you're in space i'm in a college football game <laughs>
1: A cup of coffee.
0: That was chai. I've been, I got hired by this Pakistani, Indian, Nep, Nepalese church to play every Sunday. A little, nice. Yeah. it's A little bit of money and I don't know. It's crazy, but it's fun. So they've been teaching me how to make chai. They're talking about how like they make it for a long time. One of the guys, dad boils for like an hour and then adds milk. You can do powdered milk. All the spices, like they do chai. Big, it's Starbucks. It sounds good. Man, shit, sounds good. Yeah, so I'm good. Make it taste good, dude. Go, to, go to. It's still good. Go to Starbucks and get a chai, dude. It's not too much caffeine like a coffee, but it's not like a, a tea. It's right in the middle, dude. It's ah chai because it still got black tea caffeine. You still got some. Hmm.
1: You know what I'm saying? Sometimes check that out. But I like to mainline the coffee. I have to do that on one of my days off when I don't need the coffee
0: well even if you've already had enough coffee but you're like fuck i just want one more but i don't want too much caffeine
1: chai, that would be get a chai it's, it's it. all right i'll try it i'll try Bro. it whipped cream I'll and cinnamon you
2: know. i'm
1: gonna check that out all right well all right so if i sorry guys if i didn't make much sense this episode i am running on three hours of sleep so you did way better than yeah. me you, i think you crushed it <laughs> Well, I'm just for the listeners. If I rambled or didn't make sense or didn't connect points, yeah. Well, there you go. My brain is like half firing right now. Had a oh, show last fun. night in New Orleans. And, How was uh, it in New Orleans? It was, huh? it was all right. It was okay. Um, it was fun. I mean, it just for the effort for the drive. I don't know. Like it was at a kind of a hole in the wallish bar, right? I mean, there were like eighty to a hundred people there. It Come wasn't. On, it wasn't pretty dead. Solid. Yeah, it was okay but it wasn't like crazy packed or nothing like that and it was fun i mean i felt like i think the main reason i'm kind of bummed like i felt like i i, I played like shit. you know and you i didn't like fuck up terribly bad to where like it's noticeable but like you know how you we just didn't feel like a hundred percent solid it's like yeah. that like yeah we just didn't feel like i was locked we were not just me just as a band Felt like we weren't locked in and no one in the crowd noticed. no one said anything to us i just i made that comment to the guys i was like that felt fucking off they're like yeah it did felt a little off
0: yeah sometimes eddie's
1: eddie's uh his kick fucking pedal fell apart and had to Ugh. like we had to stop mid-set and borrow the other drummers oh damn uh, killed dude. the momentum it's like yeah. so it was wow. okay wasn't terrible people hey, enjoyed it dude. you want can i
0: make you feel better do you no, have to go? i got a short story to make you feel better if it's quick i'm ready to go to bed uh we did an acoustic show february 19th and it was their anniversary and uh, we worked hard for it and i got hoodies ready and we show up and it was packed as fuck and we were excited because finally like a good show right yeah but the couple days before they added And this is, we played with them multiple times. They're great. It's a good brewery. It's going well. Stage time. It's like that repeat venue you find, you know? We finally fucking Mm -hmm. found it. So they added a guy before us. And when we got there, he wasn't done. And he wasn't finishing. I had to ask the bartender politely, "Um, could you let him know to stop so we can. So it was like a bad start. And then the kid finally stopped, but then he was like videoing and posting to social media. And we're like, we're, we booked this like two months ago, made the flyer, did everything. And you add this guy last minute to fucking post on social media while we got 10 minutes. So finally I go up there and I'm polite and I'm like, Hey, we got to go up. He's like, Oh, cool. When you go on, it's like 10 minutes. Oh. And then he finally realizes. So now I'm pissed because they didn't even fucking tell this guy his spot or does he just not give a fuck? So he's taking his time like rolling up cable by cable instead of moving the fuck out the way as a whole you know what i'm saying so we get set up and started late and this kid got the whole packed crowd it starts trickling out after so we did the work for this whole show they throw this kid on last minute he gets peak crowd oh goes my late waste our time and then when we're almost done setting up over in the corner is this cross dresser trans and that's uh-huh. fine. I'm just telling you what was in the corner under the, under the light. It was outside. There's an inside outside and then a garage, three sections. Awesome place. Sounds awesome. Yeah. And so, so there's like really tall trans cross dressers set up selling pies mm-hmm. on a table. Um, and that's fine. It was just there, right? But Mm -hmm. right when we're about to start, the manager comes out all happy and shit. It's like, hey, the pie queen's going to do 20 minutes and, you know, get the crowd Mm -hmm. going. And I'm like, what? She rolls a wagon to the corner of the courtyard, plugs up karaoke. And this is a place where we can't do covers because licensing. We've been doing two hours of originals. Oh, my God. Does karaoke, straight covers. Sweet Caroline. No energy. Ah, uh ah. Uh, uh. And people are leaving. More people are leaving. Oh, She's no. like 20 or 30 minutes of these fucking karaoke's. And we're standing oh there. God. We're standing there now waiting. And I'm fucking livid. <laughs> I'm fucking uh, livid, I don't, dude. Out
1: of left. Out of left.
0: I'm fucking livid. And I made shit ton of hoodies. It took me like a day and a half. A ton of time making hoodies because we were going to sell I don't it. left. I left. So we got booted for the pie queen who was thrown on last minute, who took our merch spot. And then we had our time wasted by some opener who got the peak crowd. And we were fucking left with leftovers, fucking leftovers. And I was so fucking pissed. And my bandmate didn't seem to care and told me I was taking it personal. I was like, no, I'm taking it professionally. This shit isn't fucking cool. So I felt like I was on an Island wondering who the fuck does this shit and yeah, because i was so mad I, I went back the next day and i told the girl i was like i need to talk to the girl who booked because that was a disaster and i told her like everybody else had a great night but we got completely screwed and i was so mad i never what did, she, what did she say she was polite and just said okay and told me when she'll be here and i didn't go back because i'm just so mad i don't want to go in there and you know what I mean? Yeah, so, don't
1: don't go in there emotional. Like you're gonna be emotional, so, so don't do it. So fucking
0: angry, dude. So fucking angry.
1: Because uh, I, I took a big yet.
0: hit. I took a like I, I wouldn't have fucking made hoodies if I know we would have had a shit merch spot. I wouldn't have cut my day short right. and rushed if I knew we weren't gonna start till seven anyway. <clears throat> I wouldn't have promoted if I knew we were gonna get so fucked and play for nobody. wouldn't have spent 30 dollars three hours four hours and then an hour posting flyers when i could have been walking my dog who has to pee you know what i'm saying like i took right like who the fuck does this and then i'm on an island because i'm upset about it my band like i think you're just taking it personal i'm like i can't believe i have to unpack this
1: why this isn't cool yeah, it's pretty fucked. I mean, right? especially if it's fucked on the the booker fucked. Like they if they booked yeah. you for a specific time, so you got to shoot. You know, be here for this time, be on for this time. I mean, is that what happened? Like, that's typically what happens with a show. Like, all right, yeah, doors at doors at like last night. Doors at eight. Show starts at nine. You guys play second. Well, it's a brewery, so it's, like, be be ready to go on, like, 945. Well, okay, fine. It's
0: a brewery, so people are, like, there, and then we set
1: up in the corner type thing. Sounds like they're not used to booking shows. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they're not, but it's not hard to not do that shit. It just takes common sense and courtesy not to, like, take the band who promoted that book two months ago with you. And then be like, we're throwing on somebody before. We're not going to tell them when to stop. Uh, And then we're going to have the, you know, you don't do that shit. It's just common sense and common courtesy. But yeah, the place is nice, but they don't. And all the other shows we do were good. It was that one. It was their anniversary. And it was like, fuck. It was the brewery anniversary. Yeah. And I got it on video. It's unlisted on our YouTube, but we're going to use it for press kit shit. But yeah. I think you got a video out of it and then we had another show at the other location march 19th but i was sick and i, I had to not go that was damn. when i relapsed and joe said that one went fucking awesome damn <laughs> the shows go great when i'm not there so i felt really bummed like maybe the podcast would be better if i wasn't here too Maybe everything would be everything not true if
1: I, did, if I didn't you need it. to stop fucking saying that bro <laughs> With, maybe, with that fucking attitude. Maybe it was just podcast the wouldn't exist dude. if it wasn't you, bro. That's true.
0: Look at that fucking logo. I didn't make the logo. That was auto-generated. Fiver. Yeah.
1: But the logo's dope. I like the cat. I like the all well, I like the all seeing eye. As long
0: as it's ours. Like if it's still for sale on the website.
1: You know, what I'm yeah, saying? But like if someone jacks it. <laughs> and then like buy. we get hit with like copyright and free shit. Yeah. Like
0: God damn it. <laughs>
1: fuck we have to fucking worry about a lawsuit now um All anyway right. well fun episode man. so man i enjoyed it bro it's good to be back good to be rebranded yeah I'm man. Look forward fun, to man. digging into some more gobekli tepe mysteries in we're to do the three
0: yeah let's you want to do chapter three next
1: fucking do it it's pretty and, short uh, let's just stay on we'll this do some, we'll do some more Martin Sweatman uh, comparisons as well
0: yeah I thought about this and we'll wrap up with this we need to finish chapter 3 because it gets into Russia and the and the giants it's done with Gobekli Tepe basically nice we'll finish chapter 3 we can finish Martin Sweatman's videos because they go they go on about some good shit and then we can do an article I have of something found at Gobekli Tepe
1: fuck yeah so that, might that be sounds four, like a
0: plan that might be four episodes chapter three martin sweatman's videos are a lot and then the article so let's just bust
1: through. three Man, yeah it depends on how long the episode is we'll see
0: let's do chapter three and then martin sweatman's videos in one
1: yeah that's what i'm thinking to so do that done all right maybe not wednesday but Whatever. Yeah, Wednesday might be pushing. We'll try though. I mean I'll see. Maybe I'll get it maybe I'll get the research done. Let's, talked, but let's
0: do chapter three Wednesday.
1: I can do that. We'll see. I will see if I have I'll let you know.
0: Yeah, let Wednesday me Wednesday
1: morning. Let me know. I'll let you know Wednesday morning.
0: Thursday night. You can get up a Friday episode. Or
1: Wednesday night. Yeah, whatever. All right, um, man. I still gotta go clean up, and cause I'm ready to go to bed.
0: <laughs> rest up. Thanks for muscling this out, dude.
1: dude yeah, man. I, enjoy sleep. I, I enjoyed it, bro. All right. All right, man. I'll see you. Uh, see you later on this week. All right. Peace, bro. Peace.